1: Welcome to New Books in Political Science. My name is Heath Brown. Today I'll talk with Andrew Taylor, who's the author of Congress, a Performance Appraisal. I hope that you enjoy the interview. Welcome to New Books in Political Science. I have the real good pleasure today of talking to Andrew Taylor, who's the author of Congress, a Performance Appraisal. Andy, how are you doing today? Fine, thank you, Heath. I really enjoyed the book, and before we get to talking about the book, maybe you can tell us just a little bit more about yourself, where you are, where you've been, uh, what comes before this interesting book.
0: Well, um, as the listeners might have already noticed, um, I'm not a native of the United States. Um, uh, I'm from the United Kingdom originally, and I came over to the U.S. uh, in the late 1980s as a graduate student um, I was interested, always interested in American politics, and my undergraduate major um, at the University of Kent at Canterbury in England was in American Studies with a with a concentration in American politics. And um, I came to the United States for a year, um, actually at Lehigh University, which is in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, um, as an undergraduate. Um, when I was finishing my undergraduate degree in the U.K., didn't was at a loose end and was in contact with people like uh, um, faculty at, at Lehigh and they suggested, uh, why don't I come and do a master's, which I thought was a pretty good idea at the time, um, largely because I didn't have anything better to do and then mm-hmm. uh, really wanted to go, go on. And so I did my master's there. I did my PhD um, at the University of Connecticut. Um, and then I decided, to sort of halfway in that, to career in the US, and I was, I was working on American politics generally, specifically on Congress. Um, the dissertation at UConn was, was actually on policy productivity um, under unified and divided government, sort of inspired somewhat by Mayhew's work at the time. But I considered myself primarily a congressional scholar, and then uh so I went out on the market once I got my PhD and I, I came down here to NC State and Raleigh um in nineteen ninety five and uh it's amazing to think it's been eighteen years but I've been here ever since.
1: Right, and you know, in this this book, i once you know, if we get to the end of our discussion, you can see, and I don't know if this is in your plan, applying the very same method to other countries and other um, other legislatures and so um I enjoyed the bu- I enjoyed the book a lot. Um the way you set the book up at the start is, is you kind of take a survey of, of research and, and, and public perceptions on what's wrong with Congress. Right. And, and, I, and it seems to me that, that you're also, as you move in the book, you are think, well, some of this is right, some of this is wrong, some of this is just, you know, kind of a misperception. I wonder if just briefly we can start out with you kind of either talking a little bit about some of the sort of the best of that research that really gives us the best sense of either the public opinion about Congress or the best sense of what's wrong with Congress, um, but sort of sort out for us just our, our kind of these basic impressions from what we actually know about Congress.
0: Yeah, well, I, 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 as most of the listeners probably know, um, Congress uh, is not held in very high esteem By the American public, and all the survey research uh, demonstrates that, in both an absolute and and relative sense, public approval of of members of Congress, actually the job that the institution is doing, um, very low rates, basically all-time lows. You know, most of these data have been collected. Really, since the, the late 1960s, early 1970s, but in that time span, we're at a very low level. Uh, approval for the institution as a whole is in in the high single digits. Sometimes, in the last few months, few years, it's got above that in the low doubles, you know, t- low teens. But it's 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 terrible. Um, and uh, but there is also uh, um, literature out there. Um, books and, and, and articles written both by, uh, well, by practitioners, journalists, and um, political scientists that kind of share this um, approach and, and are also equally uh, disparaging of, of the Congress. Um, and so what I wanted to do was at the beginning of the book is, is kind of set that up as, as a, you know, a general position of, of both um, the public uh, but also, um, uh, political scientists, uh, journalists and practitioners. There's some, uh, interesting work done by former members of Congress, um, along this line, along these lines and say, look, um, uh, you know, people don't really think very highly of the United States Congress. Is this set, Is this a legitimate position? Um, it's, it's obviously a clear one. Uh, is it legitimate? And I was, the thing that really sort of provoked this book was I would hear this all the time. Um, uh, even when I was up in Washington, I was the American Political Science Association Congressional Fellow in uh, 2000. Um, I heard it up there all the time. Uh, people just assumed that that Congress was terrible, but I'd never seen anybody who'd really sat down and and, and try to um, work this out in a systematic way. Uh, and suggest whether it was a, a, a fair assessment or not. So that's what—that's what the, the first part of the book is, is laying that out, and and that's really what what kind of interested me in, in writing it.
1: Yeah, I, I think what's really appealing about the book is because is—is is this you know we've read it in so many different places, and and the bemoaning of what's wrong with Congress, um, you know, has 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 created lots and lots of books and lots and lots of articles, but. You know, you you take this approach where you're going to try to do something and and make a little bit more sense of this, and your approach is to create a series of benchmarks. Um, So how do you develop these benchmarks? Uh, What are they? Uh, They're based around six principles, and you end up with 37 benchmarks. So what was your approach to to identifying these 37 and not 37 others, and why these six principles, and why not six other principles? How did you build this base for
0: the book? well I was really interested in the sort of benchmarking approach um I, I thought that this was the best way to go about trying to uh make a uh strong case that um Congress wasn't as bad as as um popular um wisdom suggested it was, and so I thought to to give that argument well uh, initially to to uh, find out how well Congress had been performing in an objective sense, and then um, uh, once, I ha- once I would have the, that, that, um, those results, be able to sell them um, to a obviously sceptical public um, uh, in a compelling way, I realised I needed to go about this systematically, um, and come up with certain uh, metrics by which to measure congressional performance, and I was interested in the benchmarking approach. I had administrations who use benchmarking quite a lot, and and felt um, that that was a good way to go. Um, the real trick was talking about uh, Congress uh, a- aspirations we have for congressional performance, which generally tend to be in the abstract, um, and then coming up with uh, measures of them that were that could easily be used um, in a in a concrete sense, and so what I did was I started off at the more general and abstract end of that continuum, and come up with what I as you said uh, he were, were six basic aspirations, um, and they uh, they come from all um, aspects of, of of congressional life and. Um, starting with, you know, how Congress represents the public, um, uh, whether Congress uh, is transparent um, and easily accessible by the public, then sort of how Congress operates. Um, does it work well? Does it have a good... Uh, does it do... Um, does it deliberate? Does it debate in, 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 in any... Uh, in a good way? Um, and then finally... Uh, Talking about outcomes um, and, and whether it makes effective policy or not. Um, oh, and, and sorry. And, and, and finally, the, the sixth sort of aspiration is: it's, um, does it sort of play a what we consider a healthy role in the in the system of separation of powers and checks and balances? So those are the basic sort of aspirations, and then I had to think of a way of. And by the way, those aspirations are kind of rooted basically a normative political theory, I guess you would say. You know, these are sort of um, things that uh any people should want um, in a in a modern democracy of their um, legislative body. Um, and then I tried to from those six um, basic um, aspirations, um, I went with a more concrete and narrow benchmark that would provide um, Things that we could actually measure, so we could say, yes, Congress has met, or maybe exceeded, or perhaps um, has not met, has not reached uh, those particular benchmarks. Um, and so, I so so the, the benchmarks are a lot more um, specific uh, and tangible, um, and the benchmarks are uh, rather like the aspirations um, crafted from normative political theory, but also from um uh, the, the, experiences of Congress in the past, which I think that is fair game, fair game to compare the Congress of today to the Congresses of the past, and also, uh, peer in, uh, legislative bodies, which I consider those in the American States and those in, uh, um, similar industrialized Congress. And, and so the benchmark was, come from those, um and the, um uh, and the as well. So
1: we don't have enough time to go and uh, talk about each and every one of those 37, but I wonder if there was one of those benchmarks that surprised you uh, about how well Congress scores. Uh, one that sort of sticks out to you uh, that like Congress is really doing well. If we think about this as an important benchmark, um, Congress really is, is, scores quite highly on this.
0: Yeah, well, maybe I could talk about a couple of series of them. He, I mean, I, th- <coughs> I think you know, th- th- probably the two that would uh, resonate most with members of the general public are the the the, the first the benchmarks under the first basic aspiration, which I, I call a robust representative democracy. That is, does Congress represent the views of the American public well? And you know, we have to continue to continually find that it's not the case that people are. Um, in a kind of cocoon up in Washington, they're disconnected from the everyday lives of the the American people. They don't understand the the, the sort of trials and tribulations of everyday life in this country. Uh, But if you look at at least sort of rather coarse but basic aggregate data, um, you can see that um, Congress moves to match changes in public opinion pretty well over. Um, and so, uh, that's an interesting benchmark, or a couple of benchmarks, I guess, uh, in, in uh, of the 37 that are met, um, that I think, uh, many Americans, um, might be surprised to know. At the other end of the, of the sort of continuum, um, uh, is the, the outcome, um, so that sort of input, I guess, is the outcome, and, and, and that's effective public policy. And again, as you know, the American public tends to think that Congress isn't very good at solving uh, problems, but um, by the, the benchmarks, um, Congress does pretty well. Uh, it, it certainly doesn't do so well in, um, I, I argue, in, in, in dealing with problems that are coming down the road. Um, it's not very, uh, doesn't look very well to the future. Um, but uh, I argue that it does a pretty good job. The US has a robust economy. Um, many people across the world will tell you, um, uh, you know, this has been a, or the last century at least, with an American century. Kind of public policies and um, um, So I think that also would surprise um, uh, many uh, uh, members of the American public that. Um, it meets or largely meets some of the, the policy benchmarks as well. So those two I think just because uh those are the the two main um labels uh, uh levelled at the uh, at the Congress by the American people, I think the findings there would be perhaps uh, uh most surprising to the lay person who just picked up the book um not knowing a, a uh, not being a political scientist and not knowing a great deal.
1: Yeah, and when when you go through the the, the the full list, you know it's something like I don't know if I didn't count up exactly, but it's something like a half were fully met, another third or so were were um, somewhat met, and you get this other portion where um, Congress doesn't meet these meet the principles or benchmarks or expectations really at all.
0: Yeah, some of up... where they're not met, um, you know, are, are, are kind of interesting. Um, you know, the some of the process. Uh, metrics, some of the process benchmarks, and, and how Congress operates, um, of not, you know, uh, of um, not having uh, significant or, or enough turnover in, uh, of membership. Um, uh, Congress, members of Congress are not represented of the general public in an economic they are much wealthier, um, even though that happens with religious affiliation, occupation, military service. Now, the result they don't. So there are some significant ones where they don't need that. Benchmark. They don't need the benchmark. So you're, I think you're right. Um, you are right in describing um, uh, the fact that uh, the, the majority are met. Um, well, at least half are exceeded, and and, and the rest are, 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 are half of the rest are net getting somewhere between two thirds and three quarters. The benchmarks being, being.
1: Yeah, you end the book, um, not surprisingly, with with some recommendations. Um, recommendations of maybe how to pr- improve things. Yeah. Um, which of these recommend recommendations um, do you think has the greatest likelihood? of being enacted. Um, you know, so, some of the uh, recommendations you could imagine, well this never will happen. It's a good idea, but it's not gonna happen. Are there any that that you know that stand out to you that it's something that actually that could be enacted, that there 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 would be bipartisan support for it and and it would have a, a real beneficial uh impact on the institution.
0: Well um you know just immediately coming to mind uh I, I just mentioned in the previous question that some of the benchmarks that weren't met were ones that had to do with internal uh, process and procedures. Um, and one of the um, criticisms, um, because it doesn't meet a benchmark, it doesn't meet a sort of basic majoritarian benchmark, one of the procedures that gets criticism in the book um, is the, uh, the, the notion of unlimited debate um, in the Senate, the rules that allow for unlimited debate and therefore the filibuster in the Senate. And, uh, you know, the, the news at the moment um, is full of uh, at least for um, uh, be a real meaningful effort uh, by the majority leadership in the Senate um, to flip the wings um, of the filibuster and, and change rules, particularly on um, uh, the confirmation of presidential nominees to executive and judicial positions. whether they will reduce um, the effect of the filibuster. And, and a lot of people are suggesting that that could well happen. Um, it might be painful for uh, Senator Reid and, and, and the, the Senate Democrats to get that to happen, but it, 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 it's, it's on the card. It might not be a bipartisan um, change, and you, you mentioned that in the question, assuming that any changes have to be bipartisan, but it might be on the card, uh, and it's one that immediately comes to mind, that is sort of consistent with, with some of the things that I've said in the conclusion. Yeah.
1: Have you had the chance, or, or have any members of Congress, or former members of Congress, had the chance to read the book? So looks very I'm innocent. not
0: sure, though... Um, A colleague of mine did say um, that uh, uh, he had the book in his office when um, uh, Representative Pete Sessions, who actually is now the chair of the House Rules Committee um, from Texas, uh, came in and and started picking up and reading it and sort of asking him who this Taylor fellow fellow was. Um, uh, But other than that, no. Um, it is. I, I should. I should. I should sort of fork it to to them. Um, one of the one of the interesting um, footnotes uh, or endnotes in the book, I, I think, is a sort of personal one, which is which is the very last endnote. Because I kind of conclude um, as concerned by now, by we're uh, talking about the number of benchmarks which I feel Congress has met that, that this listen, listen might have discerned by now that um, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, n- this isn't a book full of praise for Congress, but it is a book that sort of sends Congress from the criticisms that we've been talking about. So I am sympathetic to Congress, I you suggest Congress is better than others. Um, but the la- this last um, footnote does talk a little bit about the members of Congress that I know and have known in the past, um, and it's written the footnote itself is written to demonstrate that uh, we should expect Congress to have some because after all, members of Congress themselves are human beings and, and, and human, human beings as we know are, are far from perfect. So I should actually uh, contact some of these people from my present and past and and, and and ask them as members of Congress what they think of the book. I'm I'm, I'm sure, my, my sense is that a lot of members would, would say that they might disagree with a lot of specifics, but, but would sort of say, look, um, you're right, um, we are, the institution is, is unjustly vilified, and, and, and it's an institution as the normative um, sort of part of the argument here as well, he said, the institution I think is, is, is worth um, obviously protecting and, and promoting. Um, and you can only do that if people buy into the idea that it's doing an okay job. job. Um, if, if you continue along the lines of, of, of vilifying it and the public continues to believe it's very, very poor Members don't have a lot of interest to promote the, the institution's interest, and it's only going to lose So uh, I, I, would, I would think a lot of members would Sort of, they might not want to tell their constituents because it's not a, a popular argument. But they might actually say, "You're right. You know, this, this, the institution is, this is doing uh, as bad a job as a lot of people think."
1: Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, you can see a public conversation about your book. You definitely see a uh, this incorporated into a undergraduate course. Um, it, it's so naturally in in the way in which I think students might be able to really grasp yeah uh, it, you know it's, it's
0: very it, it, I wrote it for that, and my, my publisher wanted me to write it in that way i, I don 't know whether when I initially embarked on the project, I would have wanted to write it quite like that i I foresaw it a little bit more as a kind of trade book um, uh, which may be used as a text and, and I think it's now a textbook that may be sort of uh, read as a trade book um, but yeah it's it consciously broad um uh one reason because if you're gonna praise the performance of an institution you should praise all of it. Uh but also because um it could be take the place of a a a, a feeder textbook in an undergraduate course on Congress and, and so if you want to talk about elections you, there's enough in there that allows you to talk about elections with your students. Um if you want to talk about policy output there's enough there. If you want to talk about interbranch branch relations there's enough there if you want to talk about procedure there's enough there um so yes, it it, it is it is consciously broad because um i think we sort of envision it being used uh in undergraduate courses and conferences yeah i usually see that so so what
1: is what is next for you uh do you have a new new book project ahead or a non book but research project what's what's the next uh, thing on I, your I'm research I'm agenda on
0: a number of um I, I actually wrote a book um, last. I wrote it last year. It came out last year in 2012. So this has a 2013 copyright. And that a book that came out with the University of Michigan Press called "Exploring Congressional Life," which is um, aimed more at a, a, an academic audience. And so, with two books coming out in two years, I'm sort of exhaling a little bit. But um, I've been working on some article-length projects on Congress. Um, I'm working on something on on seniority in Congress and working on something um, about uh, uh, the conditions under which members uh, publicise their voting records to their constituents and a number of other little projects. I am actually working on a book but it's with a colleague in sociology on something completely unrelated to Congress. It's um, on on, uh, school board politics um, in in Wake County, North Carolina, interestingly enough. uh, which have actually um, punctuated the uh, national consciousness on occasions. and, and, and uh, There's an interesting story to tell there. Uh, but um, as far as the next major project on Congress, I have been doing a little bit um, uh, when I've had some time, and I want to eff- uh, accelerate this. I'm very interested in, and this is sort of connected with this uh, performance appraisal book, I'm very interested in the kinds of members of Congress who are what I guess um, some congressional scholars, people like back in the '60s, people like Donald Matthews would call institutional cases. Um, that is, people who, um, members who are interested in protecting and promote promoting the interests of the institution as a whole. Um, and obviously, I think that's a good thing. Uh, the premise of the project is that um you know, the incentives, there aren't incentives to do that. Um, it doesn't really help you get re-elected, etc., etc., etc. So, but there have been these characters over the course of congressional history. Um, and so I've been doing some research and have had uh, some uh, graduate and undergraduate students assist me over the last couple of years creating a data set um, of who these people are and we're trying to sort of. I'm trying to sort of explain um, why they do it, and and and, and under what conditions um, uh, do they um, express and and, and act, in a meaningful way they act upon this sort of uh, impulse of institutional capitalism. So it's it's in its very preliminary stages, but I think that's going to be the next big congress project.
1: Well, I hope when when that's done, or when the school board project book is done, you'll you'll come back and talk about those books. I'd
0: be very happy to.
1: Yeah. Until then, uh, Andrew is the author of Congress of Performance Appraisal, published by Westview Press. Uh, Andy, thank you very much for your time today.
0: Thanks for having me here.